I'm really enjoying this series about Jesus before Pilate. Uh, when I first thought uh, there might be a six-week series in here about the six hours that Jesus had before Pilate, I was like, well, maybe we'll be going way too slow. But I feel this has provided a lot of good space for me, I hope for you as well, to really slow down in Scripture, not get a ton done, but rather pull up these subjects and sit there and think, who is Jesus? Who am I? Where do I fit within this story of who Jesus is as he's being revealed? And hopefully really challenging the way that we're operating within the world. Today is very much uh, in the same vein. We're kind of continuing last week's sermon. Last week was all about who's the king. Jesus is the king, right? He's not our president. He's the king. He has all rule, power, and authority uh, above everything. Uh, Today we're going to look at, well, what does it mean to be in his kingdom? So we're talking about the kingdom today, uh, and that's exactly where Jesus went before Pilate. Uh, He brings up the topic of his kingdom, so great, we will move into that and we'll reflect. We've only got four verses today that we're going to be camped out on, but it brings up the subject of the kingdom, which really is all-encompassing for our lives. And I hope that as we sit here, there's a space where we can be listening to God and we can just kind of pause from our life and just allow God to... Uh, reconfigure, to challenge us, uh, to try to just point different things out about who we are, where we are, and what it means for us to live within the kingdom even here today. So would you pray, and we'll just invite God to speak with us this morning. Lord, uh, we thank you that you are present. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you speak to us. I pray that you would take this space that we're giving to you, and you'd use it, that you'd challenge us, you'd sharpen us, uh, you'd help us see you more clearly and maybe get a little bit more of an idea of the steps you want us to take in life. Uh, We love you, Lord. We want to hear you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be in John. So uh, the Gospel of John gives us a little bit more of the detail when Pilate is cross-examining Jesus and trying to figure out who is this guy, what did he do wrong, should I execute him, or should I let him go free? Uh, So we're in John chapter 18, verses 33 through 36. Uh, Oh yeah, those are just four verses, so I have it up here. I know normally I'm reading reading the whole passage, right? All right, so this is uh, after Jesus is brought before Pilate and the chief priests are accusing him, this guy, he calls himself the king of the Jews, he's a threat to you. Pilate takes Jesus into his palace and interrogates him, tries to figure it out. And then we've seen in the context of the story, he comes back out, he's like, yeah, I see nothing wrong with this guy. You know, we'll we'll free him. And everyone's like, crucify him, crucify him. So then he eventually does. That that What we're looking at right now is when Jesus and Pilate are having a one-on-one conversation away from the crowds. So it says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Those are the four verses we're going to sit at. Uh, Right here, what we have is Pilate's heard that, he, that Jesus is the king of the Jews, or at least the chief priests are accusing him of being the king of the Jews. We talked last week that that title was a revolutionary title. That was a title you would take on because you wanted to set up your own kingdom apart from Rome. Like that, that was a threatening title to, to Rome, to Caesar, to Pilate himself. And so Pilate hears all of this. Remember, Jesus is quiet, right? It says it really imp- impresses Pilate. He's kind of like, why is he not, you know, arguing back? So he takes him privately. He says, all right, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? 
Like, like, do you wear that title? Is it, like, are you, are you one of these revolutionary characters? And they just love it. Like, listen, is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did, or did you talk to others, or did others talk to you about me? It, like, Pilate cannot figure out who Jesus is. He's absolutely confused. And Pilate's the one asking the questions, but Jesus is absolutely steering the conversation. He's saying exactly what he wants. He flips it on Pilate, right? Well, what do you think, right? What do you see? You know, and this, I mean, Jesus is doing this throughout his whole ministry, right? Like, forget what the crowds are saying. What about you, right? And so then Pilate kind of sidesteps. He's like, well, I'm not a Jew. I don't get involved in these, these sort of things. Uh, but answer me this. You, your own people, if you're the king of the Jews, like, aren't they supposed to like you? Like, isn't this supposed to be like a populist movement? And here you are, crowned as a Like, they handed you over to me. Like, what did you do? Like, why are they so mad? They're, they're asking to kill you. You realize this, Jesus. It's like, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Like, what are you, what's wrong with you, you know? And what is it that you have done? I think it's, um, oh, it's just fun to, to look at this interaction where Pilate is trying to figure out if he's the king of the Jews, how come he didn't fight back, right? Like normally a king of the Jews, like someone who's revolutionary wanting to set up their own kingdom, the Romans have to get involved. The army has to get involved and squash this rebellion. There was no rebellion. Like Pilate didn't have to send out a dispatch of soldiers. It was chief priest, elders, and people in the night just come to Jesus, take him, and he goes with them, right? Like, he's being accused of all these things. They're striking him on the cheek, and all Jesus does is offer him the other one, you know? And it's like, I don't understand. You don't feel like a man of violence. You don't seem like someone who wants to set up their own kingdom, that you have no armed guards. There was no skirmish. There is no fight. When you have an opportunity to fight for your life, you instead choose to lay it down. Jesus, what in the world? Who are you? What are you? How are you? Why are you? You know, like, Pilate is just, I can't figure you out, right? So he asks him, what is it you've done? Right? Like, he's saying, uh, you know, sometimes my son's getting fights, right? I'm not present. And, and so one of them comes to me and says, hey, my brother hit me. Oh, that's terrible. Well, I go to the other brother. I say, well, what happened? well my other brother, you know, was, was making fun of me or did something else. You know, it's like, you got to get both sides of the story. Right? So Pilate's like, all right, Jesus, what's your side of the story? They're, they're saying you're claiming to be a revolutionary leader. Are you? What, what would you do then? Why, why are they so mad at you that they want me to kill you? Like you understand the circumstances here, right? What is it you have done? And then this, this is Jesus' answer. I, I really, really love Jesus' answer. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Like, on the one hand, you read this, and you're like, Jesus, just answer his questions. You know, like, tell him, like, look, I didn't do anything, right? Like, I'm innocent. Like, he, he immediately switches the subject, starts talking about the nature of this kingdom that he's revealing. It's like, well, Pilate doesn't care. He just said he's not a Jew. He's not into all this. But, but slow down. What, what did Pilate ask him? He says, what is it that you have done? What is it that Jesus did? For three years, Jesus had a public ministry. What is it that Jesus did? He revealed the nature of the kingdom of God. His answer is exactly what he's done. If you wanted to boil down every single thing that he did, all of his teachings, all of his miracles, all of uh, the parables that he's talking about, he is revealing the nature of God's kingdom. And so when Pilate says, what is it that you have done? Jesus says, well, the nature of God, you know? Like, I mean, the kingdom of God is like, is like this. Like he's 
demonstrating the kingdom of God. It says this in Mark. Mark is the gospel that's the shortest. It's direct to the point. It doesn't start with the, the baby Jesus story. It starts with John the Baptist, who baptizes Jesus. Jesus goes into the wilderness. That's all in, I think, 13 verses. And then it says this as kind of a summary of what Jesus is doing with his ministry. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I think this is a perfect summary of what Jesus was doing, right? There's good news. The kingdom of God has come near in me. Therefore, respond, right? Repent and believe. Join it. The kingdom of God is here. And then all through Jesus' life. Now, this, this is the important part because I think sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to think, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again to defeat death and offer us eternal life. He absolutely did. Those things are incredibly important. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right? But he also lived in a very public ministry for three years. Why? Why did Jesus not just show up on the scene, get baptized, and go to the cross? What was those three years for? Right? What, what are the, the whole first halves of the Gospels for? It's for this. Proclaiming the kingdom of God is here. And then you, then you start seeing that all of his teachings line up, right? Because then he's telling parables, and he's teaching his disciples, well, what does the kingdom of God actually look like? You, no, you actually have it wrong. He's critiquing it. It's, it's actually over here. Look, this is what the kingdom of God is like. When he does his miracles, you know, like turning water into wine, he stops the storm when he walks on water, he's proving the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God has power greater than nature, right? It, it is more powerful. Nature has to bow. Even the winds and the waves obey him, they said, right? Why? Because the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God has power above nature. When he's healing people, right, he gives sight to the blind. The lame are walking. You know, the dead are rising. You know, the, the sick are being healed. He's showing the kingdom of God is present, and the kingdom of God has power over this death, this destruction, this brokenness in the world. That's what Jesus is proclaiming. When he takes his disciples, trains them up, these untrained fishermen, sends them out, and they're boldened, and they now know and they can represent Jesus. When he's critiquing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and saying, you guys have this all wrong. In fact, you're leading all of the people astray. When he's casting out demons, he's showing the kingdom of God is here. It's greater than power and our weakness and our, our, our inefficiencies, our abuse and misuse of power. It's greater than even evil itself. The kingdom of God is here. That is what Jesus' ministry is saying. Everything that he has been doing has been proclaiming the kingdom of God is here in me. Come along, be a part of it. Right? So when Pilate says, what is it you have done? Jesus says, well, the kingdom of God. Right? He starts saying, the kingdom is, and he gives him his answer. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus wants to reveal the kingdom of God. That's what he's done. That's all he's done, and that's what he will continue to do, even to Pilate. And of course, there's irony in this, right? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. Uh, when Jesus was arrested in the garden, do you remember what Peter did? He took out his sword and cut off a dude's ear, right? He was ready to fight to prevent his arrest. And you know what Jesus said? There's different things in different Gospels. In Matthew, he says, no, put away your sword, Matthew. That, that's, not, that's not how this works. If I wanted to, I could call on the Lord, and he would send me 12 legions of angels at this moment, at my disposal. Like, look, if we, if we wanted to play that game, the power game, we would win. But we're not playing that game, right? My kingdom is not of this world. 
right? And so he, he's telling Pilate, like, look, there's a reason why you don't see an army behind me. There's a reason why, why you didn't have to squash us. If, if, if there was, I would have squashed you. You know, it's like, like, I'm not playing that game. Pilate, you have a different kingdom in mind. When you say king of the Jews, you're thinking of a different power entirely. What does Jesus say about his kingdom? It's not of this world. Uh, it says, my kingdom is from another place. The NIV actually kind of glosses over. The NIV is the translation I always use. Uh, kind of glosses over what, what John wrote in the Greek. Um, John has a not statement at the beginning of the end. Like, my kingdom is not of this world, and it's not from this, uh, this place or from this realm. Uh, Jesus isn't saying anything about what his kingdom is. He's just saying, look, I'm not playing the same game that you are. And, and this should cause us to kind of, wait, but you just said his whole ministry was about the kingdom being here. Now Jesus is saying, it's not here? Like, what, is he lying to Pilate? Like, whoa, what's going on here, right? And, and we should, we should question this. What is the nature of this kingdom? What do you mean, Jesus? How, is this the truth? Are you playing games here? Uh, what is it? Uh, there's a great answer. Uh, Jesus is, is talking at two levels. Uh, Jesus would do this all the time. He's talking to Pilate. He's answering Pilate's question. He's also speaking to us and everyone who would read this interaction between Pilate and Jesus. Like, Pilate's out here playing checkers. Jesus is out here playing chess. You know, because Pilate, what does Pilate care? He wants to know, is this guy a threat? Right? The king of the Jews could mean he's going to try to assassinate me. Right? Like, 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 like so he's got to figure out, is this guy dangerous? He doesn't have an army. His own people handed him over you know, to, to, to be killed. And now that they're claiming that you definitely, this guy's dangerous. Like, well, I thought, it, but isn't he on your team that he's dangerous against me? He's like, why, 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 why is going, like, what's, what's wrong, right? And so what Jesus is answering is, look, I pose no threat to you, Pilate. I have a kingdom. It's not from here, right? Like, look, it, if I had a kingdom from here, here, you would have already had to fight me. You didn't, right? Like, don't worry. So like, from Pilate's ears, what does he hear? Here's this like, this, this kind of pitiful guy standing in front, thinking he's a king of some imaginary kingdom, you know, don't worry, it's not from here, Pilate, it's, a, it's another place. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure it is, you know, <laughs> right? Like, he's like, no, it's okay, I don't have an army because I, I'm king somewhere else. Like, Pilate, he, yeah, this guy's no problem. He, find no, no reason to charge this man. This guy's innocent, right? He, he's harmless, but Jesus is also speaking to us and everyone else who had been a part of his ministry. Like if you knew about Jesus' teachings, let's say you were following him. Let's say you've talked to one of the persons who's been healed by him, where you've seen him calm the, the waves in the storm. And when he says, my kingdom's not from here, you're like, oh, I know. It's from God. It's from heaven. You're claiming a kingdom far above all powers and rulers and anything that's going on, any, any kind of game that Pilate's playing right here right? And so if you're not Pilate, but you know a little bit about the kingdom, you see that Jesus is actually claiming a kingdom that threatens every kingdom, <laughs> you know? So at the same time, Jesus is saying, look, my kingdom poses no threat, while also saying, uh, my kingdom will ultimately eliminate all kingdoms, <laughs> you know? It's like every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so, so Jesus is saying both things right here to Pilate. I think he wants Pilate to know you're fine, you're fine. Like, you're not, you're not gonna die. I'm not gonna challenge you. Uh, but he also wants to say, there is something else. There is more, and it's not a little more. <laughs> There's a lot more. There's a kingdom. But that kingdom is not of this world. So you can't build the kingdom the way that Pilate builds the kingdom, through power. How do you build 
the kingdom. You, you can't build the kingdom through uh, political policy or through geographical lines. You can't build it through religious reformation. Jesus' kingdom is built through submission to the king. It's built on a person of Jesus. That's what it means to have a kingdom of somewhere else. Where is that somewhere else? It's from God. It's in Jesus. The kingdom is made by the king, period, which, which means you can't draw it on a map, right? You can't, uh, you can't even look at people and judge based on what they're saying and how they're acting, whether or not they're in the kingdom, right? It, it's, it, it's are they submitted to the king, it's in Jesus. When Jesus says the kingdom is here, right, when he's proclaiming that in Mark and all throughout his ministry, it's here because Jesus is here. It's in him. It's in the person. It's not a, a place. It's not a religion. It's not a political. It's not built by power. It's not built by government. It's not built by army. It's built by a person, and that person is King Jesus, right? That's the nature of the kingdom. And again, he's not saying, like, this is an abstract concept, right? I get, we're talking about ideas here. What does it mean for us? Jesus is not saying that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of Jesus that he reigns is just a spiritual kingdom, right? He's not saying it's not up here, meaning some sort of otherly, spiritual, heavenly kingdom. He's saying it's here right now. It's in me. It is spiritual. It is heavenly. It's also earthly. It's also physical. It's the whole thing. God's kingdom is over all powers, all authorities in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Everyone bows before God. And so it's a very practical kingdom, but it's not built the same way that the very practical kingdoms that we live in and breathe and operate in are built. It's different. It's in him. What does this mean for us? <laughs> that, that's, that's the truth. That's what the kingdom is. But how does Jesus' response of uh, what is it you have done, what, what does that mean for us? His, his revelation of this kingdom, does that apply? Does it matter to us today? Uh, there's, there's a lot of pilots today. And I'm not talking, Scott, about people that fly in the sky. I mean like representing pilots' role here in the story, like, like wielders of power, people who have uh, actual power. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, some, some use it for good and some for evil and some use it for selfish gain, some use it for others. Uh, but, but we live in a world that very much has kingdoms, worldly kingdoms, you know, different ways that we get things done, uh, different structures, institutions, people, systems, I mean, however you want to define it, there's power that we have to live within. But if we understand that we live in the kingdom of God, that is a higher power than everything, right? It's a, it's a more core, more primary identity, right? To go back to our previous series, like this is who we are. If we understand that we are a part of the kingdom of God, then that means we have access to and are a part of a power greater than any other power that we're going to come in contact with, uh, meaning including um, any political powers, any religious powers, you know, kind of the ones that we see here within the story, uh, but also work powers or family powers or any, any, any sort of other existing structures, we have access to something greater if we what? We submit to the king, right? Only if we submit to the king because we can't build the kingdom based on political philosophy and policies and laws. Can't build it on religious reformation or even personal private spiritual practices. It comes from submission to the king. But then if we are part of this kingdom that's greater than all sorts of powers, well, then we have no problem engaging with these powers or encountering them, or exposing them to the kingdom. Because when worldly powers are exposed to God's kingdom, 
It's the worldly powers that bow down, right? Like the God's kingdom will be elevated ultimately. And so we can have confidence bringing God's kingdom in front of all sorts of powers, especially those that are not using it properly. You know, like we look at Jesus with the Pharisees and he critiques them. When we see powers being used to bring harm and to hurt people, we can have confidence to say, actually, the kingdom, the real kingdom, the one with more power, would critique that. You, you are responsible and answerable to him. We can have confidence to confront those things. We can have the confidence and the motivation to bring our own lives and the own power that we have and say, Lord, transform, have the mo- renew this so that we can be a part of your kingdom and not part of these kingdoms of the world. And we can have the motivation to start bringing the kingdom into greater clarity around us, to show people with what we can do, what we have the power to, what we have the ability to change around us, we can say, well, this is what it looks like to be a part of God's kingdom. The worldly kingdom, they can play over here, they can do whatever, they, but God's kingdom looks well, a little bit more like this. And so we begin to shape the world to show what Jesus showed, that the kingdom of God is here. Again, this all comes because the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of heaven or spirituality or something that we can only access when we meditate or spend quiet time on our own. The kingdom of God is here, is what Jesus is saying, physically, like present, right? It's it's very much spiritual, it's very much heavenly, but it's very much tangible here, now, in the worldly powers. And Jesus is bringing it to Pilate and challenging it. Pilate ends up killing Jesus, and yet the kingdom of God is still ruling and reigning because it's all part of God's power. So have confidence. I guess what I'm trying to say for all of us is look around you. Kingdom, where do you need to bring the kingdom? It might be a critique. It might be a challenge. It might be, well, the kingdom of God is very different than your worldly power. It might be your own power where you need to say, can this be transformed into the kingdom? It might be just somewhere else that you're not even touching at the moment, but you have power to change and affect. But you can say, well, let me make a little bit of the kingdom. Let me, let me do what Jesus did and reveal the kingdom and show everyone that the kingdom of God is actually here. I, this isn't just something I believe in my heart. This isn't just something that happens on Sundays. This isn't just something that I'm going to experience after I die. The kingdom of God is here. And, and the, the king is reigning and working. That's what it means to pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's not saying, uh, hold on, and maybe you'll get to the kingdom of God in heaven. No, 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 pray that your kingdom will come here. So, all right, let's pray that. Let's pray that God's kingdom would come here and that we would be able to use whatever we have to bring it about. I want to close with a little bit of an illustration. Uh, my wife, Sherry, I can talk about her. She's not here. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She really loves to work out, fitness, you know, everything, cardio, weights, um, regular, like, morning. Like, every day, if she doesn't get some sort of, like, physical activity, uh, she feels like, oh, I, I didn't, I'm not on it today. You know, it's like, I didn't truly live, you know. I, I don't understand it at all. Um, <laughs> but this is a major part, major part of who she is. Um, but there was, a, there was a part of our life back in Wisconsin, probably 10 years ago or so, um, where I was, I was concerned. You know, I, I thought maybe, maybe she had gone a little too far. Like, it got this bad. One day, seriously, in the morning, uh, she had us drop her off downtown, and she's going to go for a jog. Um, and so she, uh, Madison's gorgeous. Um, but it's between two lakes, some nismus. She kind of goes, like, up and back, runs a few laps. Um, I think, I don't know if Carter was born or Quentin was born. 
Um, but we were kind of like waiting, uh, but then she didn't want to stop, so she just kept going. But she kind of went out of the isthmus toward the Arboretum, a, a, a gorgeous, uh, what do you call it, like a nature conservatory, I guess, like in the city. Um, it keeps going. Uh, we, we followed her and encouraged her, and she waved. You know, it's not like she was ignoring us. She wasn't mad at me, you know, um, but she just kept going. She'd been running for like an hour now um, and just hadn't stopped. Um, but then she kept, turned around and kind of kept going, going back downtown again. All right, no problem. Uh, we keep going, and then she kind of goes up by the northern lake, Lake Mendota. It's the bigger one. Um, and so we, we kind of meet up with her again. Hey, how's it going? And she looks exhausted by this point. She's been running for hours. You know, I mean, she looks like physically in pain. She's only taking short breaks, you know, for bathrooms or snacks or just to like kind of walk and catch her breath. And she keeps going. You know, it's like, hey, you can, you can stop. We're here. You know, you know, it's like you don't have to keep going. She, she kept going. She kept going, went all the way back downtown until finally she's like, it's over. I'm done. All right. And then collapses, right? We take her home. We like nurse her back to health for like days. You know, I mean, she's just absolutely, utterly exhausted. I thought she was crazy. I thought you'd lost it. Now, here's the thing. The reason I thought she was crazy wasn't because she wouldn't stop running. The reason I thought she was crazy was because I couldn't understand why anyone would want to run a marathon. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It just makes no sense. But to her, the context of a race meant that she would keep running that race. Why? Well, because there was, there's, uh, the, the reason that, that her running was not in vain, right, was because she was running the race marked out before her, right, to use biblical language, right? Like, it might look crazy to other people, like you're doing this for no apparent reason, but there's an actual finish line. There's, there's a path that's marked. They've, they've got guides that are saying, oh, up here, yeah, turn left. You know, there's flaggers that say, all right, go this way. I feel like when Jesus came to the earth and he proclaimed the kingdom of God is here, he was going around saying, you're in a race. No, 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 you're actually in a race. Like, like imagine him coming to you. No, no, right now, you are in a race. I know it feels like you're just walking. You're just enjoying life coming. There's actually a race. Here, I'll show you. Yeah, turn left up here. Yeah, keep going around. Keep going, right? Like, I feel like we have to understand the kingdom is actually here. It's not like we're going to experience the kingdom. It's not like we're preparing for a marathon. We're actually in it. We are actually in the kingdom, guys. Like, right, like it's going. Like it's already going. Jesus is here. He's the guide. He's showing us. He's sustaining us. He's providing us the Gatorade at the different stops. And there is an ultimate finish line when the kingdom of God will fully be made present here, where where all things will be made right. Everything will reflect his goodness, his truth, his justice, his mercy, his life, his love, his holiness. I don't know we can keep going, right? But we're already there. We're in the race. So keep going. And so here, my word for you today is to persevere. Know that the kingdom of God is present. I know it doesn't look like it. I know it looks like life. I know it looks like there's other things going on. But don't take a car ride and cheat. Don't, don't go shopping. Don't go get distracted in buildings. Keep taking a step. If you need to take a break, that's fine. But keep going. Every step that you take toward the kingdom of God in this life is purposeful. It's meaningful. It'll take you to the finish line. And here's the thing. If you say, well, I, look, I can't run a marathon, right? I can't, I can't fully reveal God's kingdom and everything around me. God, help. I'm weak. You know what Jesus says? He says, that's fine. I'll carry you. Unlike a marathon, <laughs> Jesus says, I'm committed to be with you and to carry you all the way there. So therefore, take every step you can, and it will get you one step closer to the finish line. So Persevere. Uh, for us in our church, what, what, what this means to me, what God's speaking to me is we're going to keep going. We're going to keep serving. 
We're going to keep loving these students that come on Friday. We're going to keep loving each other. We're going to keep doing potlucks. We're going to keep caring for each other. We're going to keep preaching God's word. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep challenging ourselves to know God and fall in love with him more and more and more. Why? Because it matters. Even if the whole thing shuts down, it matters. Every step matters. Why? Because God is actually ruling. The kingdom is actually here, and we're participating in it, and we can have faith that he will carry us through all the way. So that's my challenge to us, I pray, and challenge you to have that same resolve in your own life. I don't know where you're at, uh, what it looks like for you to reveal the kingdom or to move forward, but keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. You can take breaks. God will sustain you in bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth because it's already here. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you that you're not just preparing a place for us to go and we die, but it's actually meaningful what we're doing today, right now, here, in our lives, our families, our, our jobs, the mundane things, God. Show us where we have that power. Show us where we can reveal your kingdom. Show us how we can challenge the worldly powers so that they can be exposed to your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would make worldly powers bow down to you. Show that you are the king, the present king, and give us the encouragement, the support to keep going even when it's tough, God. Show us the purpose that we have in our lives, that you've called us. May we have the strength to run the race that you've marked out for us, God. We thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.